You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Welcome to the Chamber of Torture Secrets. I am the Keeper of the Rack. And I'm just here for the cookies. (laughs) I just come for the cookies. (laughs) I come for the cookies. Lost and Rewound here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome. I'm Milan. I am Jimmy. Tag team back again here for your audio pleasure. We're here to to do it again, brother. Do it again. Bushwhackers. So, if you're uh, wondering where you got yourself in... Bushwickers. Yeah, hey, Bushwhackers and Bushwick. We've been very lucky to be getting so many great submissions this season so far. Lost and Rewound's third season on Radio Free Brooklyn, but effectively, Radio Free Brooklyn's all-encompassing fifth season in order to make our continued progress be actual progress we need your funds even if it's a dollar three dollars five dollars seven dollars definitely some prime numbers in there i don't know uh eight i don't know what's with you always eleven dollars thirteen dollars imagining amounts seventeen i always you're always imagining nineteen dollars it doesn't have to be a, a a pretty number why don't you think about the thought it's 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 you know you make a donation and you give from the heart. You go to radiofreebrooklyn.org/pledge and you pledge your desired amount of money that you wish to donate to our community because we are a non-for-profit organization and we love your charitable contributions. You can get a, a perk for every amount, whatever, a tote bag, a hat. Uh, again, I only throwing it out there because mom if you really want to have the studio named after you, I would highly recommend doing it because it would be so hilarious. It's just so hilarious. If you, there's a certain amount that you pledge where you get to have you know members from the station come and give you foot rubs, it's, uh, it's exciting. Yo, I'd, I'd be down for that. I need a foot rub. Pedicures are underrated, man, I gotta say. I see a lot of men... It's it's a thing now, the, right? The, at the manicurist. If you want to donate money to our show specifically so that we can afford pedicures... <laughs> Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash L-A-R. That's LAR. LAR. (laughs) Yeah, so you could be a sponsor, a generous sponsor for a tiny show that has become the engine that could, I guess, right? Well, yeah, and and speaking of engine that could, if we ever get this show big enough and we get our own NASCAR, you know, and you sponsor enough, you can have a decal on that NASCAR. Hey, man, that's what's up. That is what is up. I will decal my jacket. And then you can call me Jim Hoffhart the first. Let's get started and let's interview another person. Oh uh, yeah.
Our guest this week is an ambitious and abstract multimedia artist hailing from New Orleans, Louisiana. She goes by a few different names. Shivers, Little Joni Ramone, but you can just call her Lauren. Welcome to the show, Lauren Barron. Hello. Welcome, welcome. This is so awesome. I, I just have to start by saying uh, that I am grateful for my own lovely sister, Sarah Danziger, for hitting you up about this show, and uh, that is why we are here talking with you today. Fam Jam. Yeah, that was great. It was really good to talk to her and get hooked up with y'all. How did you meet Sarah? Uh, just in the city. Uh, parties. She, she'd always like take photos. And be at events that I was doing something at or just, like, going to. The one I remember a lot was O'Star a couple of years ago. Shout out to O'Star, the best party for Easter ever. What <laughs> um, is O'Star exactly? A bunch of friends that get together and sort of make a crazy party happen. And there's a float for the Easter parade that everyone helps to make. And at this O'Star location, it was at a friend of ours' church that he has in the Bywater, which you can rent and, you know, do whatever you want in. And we kind of had a, a wild party in it. I had made an installation in the front of the church. I did it with my friend Caitlin. I do projection artwork that you can map. We had these torsos that we made from our torsos. And I made little, like, milk fountains. So that Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this so. took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like a churchy party. <laughs> I, I, I assume not with milk yeah. fountains happening. <laughs> no, and Sarah was there and she was taking photos of uh, all the installations and she sent me a bunch of pictures of mine, you know, and that's when we really got to know each other. But before we had kind of known each other just through the scene, probably danced together somewhere and just like, hey, what's up? Mm. <laughs> but... I was glad you weren't going to see the milk, the milk fountain scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah's been living in New Orleans now, I guess, for of the greater part of six years, and she has really gotten deep into this very artistic community, uh, of which seems to be kind of all over New Orleans um, just as well. But even so, in the Bywater section, where there's this real concentration of artsy people, um, no different than actually what we have here in Bushwick to some effect. Yeah. yeah. You're from <laughs> New Orleans originally. Yes. That is an interesting yes. perspective on your end, because being a native versus all the uh, wanderlusters who come to New Orleans. It seems like it's a very nurturing environment for folks uh, like yourself. But that said, you have an unusual story since you are actually somebody who is from the neighborhood. Yeah. But... Like, you don't have, like, that sweet Cajun voice, though. Does no, she have right. to? You're Does right. she have to, though? I don't. You know, that's a funny story. It goes along with the whole thing about uh, me tape recording when I was little, like, why I don't exactly have an accent. My cousins do, and my papa spoke Cajun French. He taught it to my cat, <laughs> but that's just what he says. My mom is a speech therapist, and she hated the fact that when we were little, we sounded like we were from New Orleans, and she was just like, no. She's from New Orleans herself, but she kind of taught herself not to speak the way because she thought she couldn't get a job. Apparently, that's a stigma, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, so. a, it's the same way that I'm from Brooklyn, but I don't sound like I'm from Brooklyn right now. And my yeah. mother, she learned English as a second language. Her accent now, she sounds like more American than half the people I meet. She, her voice yeah. is like so American because <laughs> she taught herself you, to get away from the yeah. stigma. Exactly. When you 
you study it so hard, you have to sound like neutral in a sense. You know, you know, you might be able to tell I'm a little southern, but like I'm not like trying to exactly you know, put on an exactly. accent or anything because it's just not there anymore. I had a, a list, and then I had what I don't know what they call it. it I just talked like a frog. I was like, uh, all the time. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that sounds like that sounds awesome, but I don't yeah, know. What, I, I don't know what that like condition baby, is. It was like a baby Tom Waits with a lisp, and they, they know it. <laughs> and <laughs> and Cajun. I really want to hear yeah. what you sound like. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I do have more tapes of of this fully me talking, so you know maybe I'll see y'all one of those. Yeah, when I was awesome. before, before it all went away, you know, before all of this. <laughs> So you, the character left. Your mother was instrumental in helping you work with getting that lisp and the frog in yes. your throat out. She used tapes. Yeah, she used tapes to record me talking or when me and my twin sister would have a breakdown. She was like, why are y'all crying so much? And then she would like record it. And that's the scary ones, like, because, you know, you listen back and you're like, wow, this is what was happening. And you kind of understand why now. But then you're like, she would make me listen to them again and again, because she's like, that's where you said it wrong. And then we had this like little milk carton where I would write the name down of the word. And then when I finally got it right, I could put it in the milk carton. <laughs> you know, it was just like, wow. it was constant. I think she was a little, she's a little obsessed. Did she get into speech therapy because of the problems that you'd had? Or was no, she already she got, a speech therapist? She got into speech therapy because she said that it was a um, like a practical thing to do. <laughs> That's why she did it. But she was a speech therapist for like 35 years in, in Metairie, which is the small suburb outside New Orleans. <laughs> These tapes that your mom recorded, it seems that there's a lot of varied topic going on uh, with all of these clips but you interpolate a lot of this audio in your art of now yes yeah i'm trying to find a cohesive way of presenting it that makes it done and i i did a show and it was all around like i, I had the tapes and i had my organ because i travel with this like Wiggins ridiculous, it's too, too big to like bring anywhere, but I bring it anyway. Sure. And it's because it's the only thing that I have, you know, so it's like, yeah, I'm just going to play this thing. And uh, I bring it to a house, and then I project the videos of when I was a child in the windows of the house, because I can make the exact shape of the window. And then weird overlaid images and, like, RGB things. My friend Ben Samuels help, helps me with that part, like... He does that while I play the organ and, and the tapes. And it's kind of like you're in an experience that is immersive, strange uh, feeling that can bring you back to your childhood or just make you feel weird, you know, and like awkward or make you think it's beautiful, like whatever you would like to feel. I've had different reviews. <laughs> you know. Actually, um, a friend of mine was just telling me about a similar projection-style installation piece that she'd seen, and uh, she sent me the article about it, and it was Richard Pryor's Live at the Sunset Strip basically punched in five different screens, and one was his hands, and one was his face, and uh, none of them showed the crowd, and uh, I don't remember what the other ones were. And then they stripped all the sound. And this is the first special that he did like after he had... 
you know, immolated himself. It was super raw. Very expressive. Yeah, and, and it was an interesting thing because they were talking about how, yeah, you know, when, when you change somewhat of the context, I mean, especially with a comedian, you're taking away, like they said, all the power and everything they have is the voice. So that's the whole performance. So seeing that without, it was, uh, yeah, I feel like it's the same way. It sort of puts you in a strange, in a strange mood. What inspired you to put your art in this kind of format? Well, that's a good question. I live in the same place that I've essentially grown up in. There's a few different houses that we've been in. And right now, I actually live in my Pawpaw's house. Okay. And he's passed. And I'm just surrounded by uh, these relics, these like family <laughs> relics. And, and they're interesting to me. And I, and I always love tapes. I guess, you know, from the ripe age of three, playing with them and listening to them. And I didn't mind doing it, you know, like I just, I thought it was interesting. It's like, it's, it's kind of like a science project. It's a look on where people come from and trying to understand how the past kind of helps you become a person. It does. And then that just inspired me to use what I had to create something. And I didn't know exactly what it would turn out to be or what it would look like, but I got in just particular things. Like, I like playing the piano. I liked these tapes. They were kind of creepy, kind of interesting, and nostalgic to me. And then I found these VHSs of us when we were little, and that was also very insightful about my childhood. And so it was just kind of like a project for myself, and it was a study on childhood. And... It just became that. The inspiration came from the things that I had around me that I didn't let go of. When did you start playing music? I guess I started when I was around six or seven. I had a piano teacher. I went to him during the week, like, you know, like once a week or twice a week. And we kept that up for a couple of years. And then I stopped, which is a sad story because he killed himself. And then I was just like, oh, damn. You know, I was like, I don't know, I guess nine at the time. And I didn't want to play music after that, so I stopped. But then I got back into it in college or, you know, kind of high school. I was still, that, you know, like play around on the piano. In college, I really was into it because, you know, I was like writing. And like, when am I going to do of course. the stuff that I write? And then put it to piano. And then I had a band, a couple of bands. When you are musically proficient and then you are choosing college to use that time to explore all the different artistic avenues, I can only imagine what kind of thoughts were going through your mind when you went in front of the piano for the first time after abandoning it for so long, after such an uh, occurrence. Yeah, you know, I felt like I couldn't do it at first, you know, I just felt like I'm not good at this, I don't know a lot about it, I just kind of know some songs I remember and like chords. Uh, and so I didn't have a lot of confidence, but then I wrote some songs and I still have the same organ that I wrote these songs on because there's like a free organ on the side of the road. I'm like, all right, I'm picking it up. I'm looking at it right now. It's in my living room. I've had a few different ones, but this one stayed with me most of the time. I have other keyboards and things and a fun machine, but this is the one I like the most. I've kind of had the same one for a while, but I've always had other ones. Yeah, I just sat down and started playing and I, I wrote some songs. And I lived in a house where I was, like, in the living room, because that's what you do in college, like, you share a house, and, like, everyone, of course. there's, like, nine people in it. So I had the door open, and I was just, like, playing loudly, 
and I was playing the guitar too, but at this moment I was playing the organ. And then this girl walks in, and I don't know her that well, but we know each other. So, you know, like, oh, hi, I saw you at this punk show, whatever. And she was like, hey, what are you doing? Can we start a band? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then we just, uh, like, started playing music because she heard it when she was walking home because the door was open. So that's, that's how college was. Not- hey, the door's open. You want to yeah, make like, out? Just out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, You're like, all right. Not taking nothing bed, better to right do. There. Yeah. Well, in this case, uh, th- there was a different uh, door that opened. Uh, not to not 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 to be oh. cheesy with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, you did it clever. You've clearly now become a sought-out musician in your circle of friends in college, and mm-hmm. you began playing music with folks. What kind of music was being played? based on, in a sense, classical music, but, like, amped up, you know? like Amped up little, classical. Yeah, it had a little more, like, uh, melodic rhythm to it. Like, I was classically trained, and that's what I know, you know? So I would take classical music and sort of adapt it to my own feeling, and then I didn't send you any of that music, by the way. That's not what we were I, listening no, to. No, 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 it's but, all, but, but yeah, thank you, um, but it's good context. The, so. only, the only song yeah. I can think of when you're saying that, that like, it's like that. I'm just thinking Tori Amos, but that's just where my head goes. Um, you know that that, that Christmas <laughs> song that's like the, but they have that with like uh, with like electric guitar. Oh yes. <laughs> and you're like, this is really rocking for Christmas. Like, <laughs> usually imagine Santa Claus instead of coming down the chimney, he busted the wall like the Kool Aid Man. You're like, oh, yeah. he's like got the, he's bending guitar notes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and Re- and Re- Rudolph just comes and kicks your dog in the face, and you're like, "Damn, this is like this Christmas is intense." You're stealing ideas now. This could totally be a plausible thing that she could be implementing into her future acts. There's a smoke machine in the fireplace, you know? Exactly. Hey, man. Yeah, they're like, "Wait a second, this, the fire isn't on, right?" <laughs> that sounds really cool. Uh, that you know, basically taking what you've learned as a kid and uh, your everything that you have infused into your creative endeavors as an adult were rooted from what you learned as a child. And what you yeah. said before, the past is full of answers. It definitely connects the dots. It's kind of one of the reasons why we started this show is because it has become apparent that we sort of have lost sight with the sounds. We're so focused on the images. The images are just as pertinent. The sounds of our youth are even more, if not just as instrumental as the images. More so, I feel like people are still and probably always will be fixated on the present and the present moment and like exactly what they're doing. If you don't have the ability to look back, you can't look forward, you know. And you're doomed, true. doomed to this repeat is... your mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of this now because I just listened to Mitch Landry's. In New Orleans, we took all of the Confederate, you know, yeah. statues down. That was a big thing. To, yeah, you have to look at the past in order to grow from it. You know, take the terrible, terrible past and resurrect something better, like, you know, not better, but like in remembrance of the slaves and stuff in order to learn that we can't do that again. We have to like empower people. If you acknowledge the sins of the past and you don't acknowledge mm-hmm. them as sins, I think it's the same way in New York when I see a statues of Christopher Columbus. Columbus Circle, there's this huge statue of him at this like place of honor. And I'm like, this guy was a really, really bad person, you know? So it's... It's difficult, you know, the same yeah. way, seeing stuff like that. It's 
it's just hard to know what to do because it's not that you're erasing history. You're giving it in a different light. It's yeah, choosing what's, what yeah. should be really celebrated, you know. Yeah, the what fa- is celebrated and what is real. Exactly. What's actually yeah, it's, it's, real. Exactly. It's not saying that he didn't have accomplishments, but it's saying that the, the sins uh, outweigh it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to ignore that. Well, who would you want to erect a statue to if you had a choice? Uh, somebody that uh, you think deserves to be recognized more, be in the city or otherwise? Well, it would be a people. It would be um, it would be the melting pot. It would basically like uh, it, not even a particular person, but an idea, like a group of people of different people coming together. You know. Uh, kind of like a cliche of holding hands thing, you know? No, I know what but, you mean. Though. There's a statue, uh, yeah. um, I want to say, in Battery Park, and it's a bunch of immigrants uh, with, with baggage, like as if they were going to Ellis Island. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's the same way. Like, there's a lot of hope in that statue, and it says mm-hmm. a lot, and there's a definitely historic thing. And in the same way, the statue itself has, like, 16 people in it or something like that that are all yeah. conjoined. It's not like a particular person, but, you know. I think that's a really smart and a really smart thing because I personally have felt that way a lot. That you know we're we're one gigantic community. The moment that you come and you only celebrate individuals, you should celebrate the group strength rather than just saying that these people are better than us and we should listen Mm -hmm. to everything they say because power goes to people's heads and it corrupts and you know it's difficult in in almost any situation. I think even when you go in with the best of intentions. True enough. True enough. Once you get all that power, man. You know, you got access to like the secret Oreos that no one's ever had, like triple stuff, and that's like part of your life. Like, how do you, how do you even deal with regular people when you've had that much filling? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, 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 I have nothing to say about that. That's so good. So good. Um, before we go to a break, I, I actually wanted to address one thing I forgot that I wanted to ask you. Your nicknames are so like oh, yes. very unique, and when Sarah was telling me about her friend Shivers, all I could think yeah. of was one. Jimmy is going to have fun with that because all we talk about on the show when we're not talking about tapes is pirate impressions. Yeah, it definitely it made me think of like oh, oh. yeah. And two, how did you get this name? I was in college, and I worked at the radio station. Actually, I was the Chief announcer and a DJ, so uh, it was really fun. I like hire people, my friends, and we would just like be on the radio all day. And you know a thing about this radio thing too, then? (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) So um, it was freezing cold in the studio all the time because of all the equipment, and so I would always be cold, and I would have a sweatshirt on. And my boyfriend at the time was like, you're just little shivers. You know? And I didn't have a name. He just came up with it. So it was, in the beginning, little shivers. But then people started recognizing my voice. And then they would be like, oh, you're shivers. And then and I was in art school, so people liked that more. And they just kept calling me shivers. So it stuck for, I don't know, forever. It's just that's pretty. Be that's, that. I kind of. That's actually like sort of a, a nice like origin story for the name. Yeah. You know what's funny yeah. is as much as you're right. As much as when I heard the name Shivers, I was like, Ah, of course, Shiver me timbers. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Well, Shivers, he's down this way and all that sort of thing. It's funny because my dog is named Timbers, and it's not <laughs> like I even, I even really wanted his name to be Timbers. It just was. <laughs> <laughs> so Lana, Lana's doubled over right now. <laughs> 
Anything with dogs, this guy, it's double, double the reaction. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's just too perfect. You could have told me anything else, but the fact that your name is Shivers and your dog's name is Timber. Uh, he's right here right now. You want to say hi, Tim? You say hi? <laughs> but you know what Shivers also made me think of? Like, I don't remember what it is, but for some reason there was some movie... Uh, I don't know. I can't remember who plays him, oh. but there's a bad guy named, like, Bones or something. He's like an undead pimp from the hood. And that's, for some reason, I just feel like Shivers would be, like, his rival pimp that was also <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I was gonna say, that's, not, that's not a bad one either. I'm sure you were going to yeah. do it. <laughs> and, and, where, and where did little Joni Ramone come from? That's just, oh. that's a pimpin' name. Yeah, well, my, I had this haircut, and I looked like one of the Ramones, I guess, and my friend Tim called me Joni Ramoni, and my middle name is Joan, uh, mm. and he just went with that. And so, I, for some reason, I had this idea, like, I don't ever want my real name to be on the internet. I just thought, how cool would that be if you could never find who I was? <laughs> you because know, you can just type someone's name in, Elusive. and there they are. You got, you got a picture of them, and you know everything about them. But it was like, I'll just never put put it out there and I'll just put these fake names that people know me as and a lot of the times people don't know my real name which I mean unless they've paid me or dated me they're not sure but you know y'all know it now I mean I'm not really yeah. no, I'm I'm... trying to hide it I actually I, I, I should transition into my real name as a, but my artist name is Shivers but I could you know for like purposes of getting further out there my name's Lauren. <laughs> Lauren <Barron. laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a, exactly. Now it's out there. And when we come yeah. back, Miss Lauren Barron, aka Shivers, <laughs> aka Little Johnny Ramone, continues yeah. with us here on Lost and Rewound, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Back with some clips. Yep, yep, yep. I'm such a tease. He's a tease. As I tease. This one over here. Okay, look, okay. I'm just going to say, I teased before that Miss Lauren Barron, our guest, mm-hmm. our esteemed guest, calling in from New Orleans. This first clip is called Rescue Rangers. What is this exactly about? It was a tape that is of a story of the rescuers narrated by it. I'm not sure, but um, it was one of my tapes I listened to as a child. And then. I was listening to it and decided to just stop it at certain parts and play organ music over it. And it just sort of became a new story and imaginative. It's like you listen to it and then it's just kind of it's thrown off by some organ music and random sounds. First clip. That's story of the rescuers you can read along with me in your book you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this 
Let's been devils by you sat an old rotting riverboat. A lonely little orphan girl named Penny had been kidnapped and brought there by two terrible people. One dark night, Penny secretly placed a message in a bottle and dropped it into the water. She hoped someone, somewhere, would find her message. Like how you had the hip hop aspect of you sampling. <laughs> yeah, it was not hip hop at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to call them all experiments, but in the long run, like I make longer and more narrated stories. Not even stories, but feelings like that. Like you said, eerie. It's a feeling mostly. Like a, yeah. Well, I think the organ certainly has that kind of eerie feel, especially depending on the context in which it's being used. Uh, but again, like it's really captivating to be hearing just story books on tape. Uh, we call them audiobooks now, but back in the day when we were growing up, let me tell oh, you. when you had your, when you had your Teddy Ruxpin that would like its mouth would move when it was yeah, reading man. the book oh. to you. That was so creepy. That was yeah. the joint. Things I had that. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. It was so. It was messed up. And then when it yeah. when it we got off sync and it was just all it was just even worse. It's interesting <laughs> to hear that turn the page sound is uh, familiar to me of recent years oh, yeah. because uh, we had a guest actually. You missed this one, Jimmy. Unfortunately, I think you were sick that day too. This kid never gets better. I'm dying. <laughs> um, ben Newman from the Found Sounds podcast. He also drums for a band called Dive. He was doing this really interesting side project where he was uh, going to. Any old thrift store or record shop and just diving into all these tapes. And a lot of them were like self-help and some of them were storybooks on tape. And what he would do is he would create these sound collages and create just from the tapes themselves, more or less, just these ambiance on self-help. And then like put in there as well some crazy organ music. It went all over the map. It was a lot of like stories on tape too, like this track that you had very much like a kind of an ethereal taking you out of the moment and bringing you somewhere entirely different. Yeah, and the process of it. Like, I like the process and that the fact that someone else is doing it. Like, I like to hear all of the things that aren't supposed to be there, if a cat meows or something. It adds another element to it. Yeah, exactly. It just It's a story that happens. It's a look into the past, but also, like, you mix it up. It's just interesting, and I'm glad someone else is interested in it and doing similar things. It's cool. (laughs) Tell us about Sing a Song. That is, uh, you know, 
me just playing around on the organ uh, again, like not any particular song that I was writing at the time. But now I do have particular songs that I play live with these particular tapes. This one is me and my mom, I believe. And she's just asking me a couple of questions. I think another title for it is How to Do Everything. <laughs> okay. How old are you in this clip? Um, I think I say it. I'm three. I'm three okay. Years old, so sorry, I'm, I'm uh, you might, foreshadowing. You might be able to hear the my voice uh, is a little weak and like ah, like that. Froggy. All right. Froggy knows best. Is that an animal? Well, why don't you show me that? Show me what we use to comb our hair. Good. Show me what we use to drink our milk. It's, it's really a slice of life, I think, is a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah, and the style of playing is like I'm learning how to do things, you know, and she's trying to teach me what you drink milk out of and what this animal says, beginning steps. How to pronounce your name, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, like how three, you're, how are you three? <laughs> like, it's, just say it. <laughs> it must be just surreal the same way, hearing yourself at that age where... You were so raw. Everything was just, you know, and then you hear yourself and you're like, and you're like okay, that's me, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's because yeah. I, I had a clip that I brought on where I was um, five or six, and it's me and a friend of mine doing a uh, Hardy Boy esque mystery tape thing mm-hmm. together. Um, I still don't believe that you were six. Your voice was so low. Yeah, I sounded just like this, basically. <laughs> it was exactly the he's, same. he's had this voice out of the womb. <laughs> well, it was funny is that like I knew that we weren't going to identify ourselves in the tape, that we weren't going to say, hey, this is Jimmy, and like, hey, this is uh, my friend with Zach. I did it with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, it was painfully obvious right away. Because one sounded like a kid and one sounded like an adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we go over here and do this. I was a lot more inane than I thought I would be. And thinking back, I can sort of remember not being that creative. <laughs> and like feeding off my friend's creativity at the time. 
<laughs> and then, in, you know, in the future, that didn't end up being the case anymore. We Things evened out, but <laughs> there's a part where he's just, like, feeding me lines in it. And I'm like, God, I was a moron. <laughs> <laughs> what does your mother think of this project? She doesn't understand. <laughs> she just doesn't understand why. I do it. She's like, why do you need these VHSs? And it's like, just let me, let me have them. And she's like, don't lose them. But, you know, but she doesn't really get into uh, my art or anything. She thinks it's a waste of time. But besides, you know, I, I think maybe one day she'll appreciate it. Whenever she sits down and actually looks or comes to a show of mine, she might enjoy it. You know, yeah. it'll be nostalgic for her. There's but a... she, she's been to a few things I've, I've done, but not yeah. personal things, and she always just thinks they're a little weird. Okay. She's, well, she's just like, oh, well, it looks weird. And yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> not the first time that a parent has uh, balked at uh, what their kid's doing with their heart. You know. so. yeah. <laughs> um, she entertains it, right? I mean, that's yeah, the best way to yeah. put it. She is reluctant, but... Um, it's not like she remembers these tapes. Like, she has nothing about the tapes. Like, she's just like, oh, you found some tapes. Okay. But, like, the, the visuals, she's a little more attached to. So I put them on the DVDs, and she can have VHSs and DVDs. So I'm like, if everything happens, I got a DVD. So, you know, like, you know, you back it up onto uh, digital. So she's okay. You're a good daughter, Lauren. <laughs> yeah technologically advanced knowledge is always a help when the parents are like, what do we do? I want to save this. Yeah. That's why I do this it's show. Got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so this third clip that we have called Returning, is that based uh-huh. off footage from video or strictly that of the audio? This is actually, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed with this one. But uh, wait, for real? Are you yeah, going to get I, embarrassed I, with us on this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, Sing well, and I'm and I don't know. Where, I'm not. I'm kind of whispering, singing. I don't know what I'm doing in this. It's just weird. But it it was a dream that I had. It's just straight up just some music with a dreamy quality to it that goes with my theme of uh, memory and nostalgia. There's no tapes on it. It's just like I, I believe it's organ and like I don't know. I'm just like learning how to use GarageBand <laughs> you know, or whatever I was using. So this this doesn't uh, feature any audio from uh, the past. No, no, it's just a feeling like a dream feeling of a dream I had about when I was small, and it okay. made me want to make a a uh, you know a it, song about it. Inspired so, by when did you record this? I don't know. Not too long ago, maybe about a year and a half ago or so. It falls in line with the ethos. It's inspired by what was uh, occurring in the, these tapes that you, we are hearing of yours, in the, these clips that we're hearing of yours, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's rock it out.
was inspired by a dream that you had when you were younger right is that what you said um it was a dream that i had about when i was younger it was a feeling that i had um which actually might be in the next song Mm. like the feeling comes from like the anxiety of it was an anxious like feeling stomach but right uh, what would you be returning to um i think myself just returning back to myself so I could feel uh, normal, you know, just like, because I knew that I wasn't feeling my own anxiety. I had my, this is where it gets weird. My twin sister uh, has a disorder and she's anxious a lot. And I would really feel her energy. Like, and that's in some of the tapes that I would listen to is like, we were small and my sister was crying and it was just like, like a panic attack. And my mom would record it cause she had no, she wanted to show the doctors like what is happening. And then, um, I would, she would go to me and she's like, Lauren, what's wrong with you? And I would just be like, I don't feel good. And she would say, you just don't feel good because Annalise doesn't feel good. And it just didn't make me feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? It didn't make it the situation better. And I just have dreams about, you know, feeling that sort of anxiety. Are you, are you, you think you feel like you have some uh, secret power, uh, or maybe not so secret power, of, <laughs> of empathy, especially when you're an identical twin? Or is it identical twin? Yeah. Uh, yeah we're fraternal. Fraternal but, twins. Um, but either way, twins notwithstanding, uh, it seems like there's definitely an empathy that goes down with twins, maybe more so yeah. than other siblings. I feel like I have a heightened empathy for her. Just. And I don't want to, but it just is that way. It just happens. And it's not a choice. It just is. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't, but, oh. you know, it would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have, like, again, you have, um, you know, this this other point in the universe that you'll always have there. You know, that's, like, a cool True. thing. Yeah. 
that's nice way of looking at it. Jimmy made a good but, point yeah. while we were uh, listening to that. Why would you be embarrassed about something that you did recently versus uh, these other sounds from the past? Um, there, I guess it's just it's just coming from. Well, it's all coming from me, but it's not starting at a. It's not starting with something that I've had before. I don't know. I feel like that gives me more grounding, more like purpose to do it. Uh, but for this particular series of things that I was doing, you know, like music's very different. But for this sort of experiment in music, I don't know. I was just shy. I guess I was, felt shy about doing one just about me. It serves as a good counterpoint because. Uh, a lot of what has made you such a, a compelling artist in your own right is the ability to look back at yourself with an objective mm-hmm. ear and eye and, uh, and and allow that to create who you are today. And without all of that, exposing all of that and just having the actual sentient being, the, you know, Lauren Barron, just her, uh, you know, creating this music that you feel vulnerable with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's a confusing, it's confusing, but um, it's a vulnerable feeling, and just, you know, looking at the art that I don't usually show people or listening to is kind of strange, you know, like, uh, this stuff is on a SoundCloud that, you know, doesn't get a lot of traffic, and I just kind of, like, it's my experiments and just my fun stuff, like, it's nothing that I've gone and played a show with. It's just like personal things. So yeah, know, it's new to me, and and I've never heard it on the radio before. So it's just like it was a. It's embarrassing. You got me. You got the. Uh, the so we thing. do. So what we do. Mission complete. We, we, I'm I'm glad that we were able to do it. We do have time for one more clip. This is a doozy. It's a scary video uh, tapes, I think, and I'm playing music with it and I have like a couple of friends doing some sounds with it just like people who were living with me at the time just like kind of getting on there I don't even remember who it was but we'll see yeah, yeah the name of the file is exploration so let's go exploring Thank you. 
On the real, like that was raw. It was intense. There was so yeah, that was in real time. You know, like me taking the tapes out and putting them back in. That might be one of my favorites. That might have been one of my favorites. That it was that. It was the hearing the tapes coming out. It's the ha- everything happening in real time, as you said, and then the sounds from the past got progressively more emotional. There was a conversation that you were having with your mother. Uh, that was, was my sister. That was your sister. Was have, yeah, and you might have, I don't know, you might have heard me in the background whimpering for her. <laughs> but I couldn't hear if my mom was like, well, what do you think, Lauren? And she's like, maybe you're, you're fine, Lauren. Annalise is just, you know, she just doesn't feel good. But it, it's just, it was the beginning of realizing my sister's anxiety about being around people in school and she just didn't feel good, and she couldn't explain why. And then this was before, you know, people were really like, what are these psychological issues? People weren't thinking too much into it. It's just seeing the beginning of what my sister was going through when she was little. And seeing it now makes me feel better about it because I just remember being upset all the time, you know, and, like, feeling bad because I felt bad for her. But now that I know what was really happening, you know, when you look back, you can understand it, and it makes you feel a little better about it, even though it's still kind of scary sounding. Yeah, I found these tapes in college because I did a project in college where I tape recorded everything, like every moment of the day when I was walking to school or at a party, and I did a basically an art show about it like I just I wrote in my notebook that whole day and I would draw the pictures of the things that I remember but I'll listen to the tapes about a month after and do that like draw and then uh, I it was very vulnerable like it was like I was had crushes on people and I, or I didn't like somebody and it was all in there you know and yeah. I had the show and these people would show up and they would listen to the tapes and I couldn't be in the room I just like I, I went outside and then I would look in and I would see people like laughing or just like being really confused when they were listening to something or looking at a painting or a drawing that I did that correlates with the tape. It's just a vulnerable space like to be that open and show everything, which I think is a part of learning in a, in a way, just to, how to be comfortable and accept the things that you think and do. We've kind of come full circle on that note. Uh, we're not anywhere near New Orleans, but I'm sure that anybody who's listening to this right now is definitely interested to hear about what further projects you have coming up that could be heard online, or just as well, if they are in New Orleans, where they can find you performing or any of your installations on display. Yeah, installations are temporary unless you go to the music box. I've built a couple of things for them. Awesome. And I always encourage people to go to the music box. I am familiar. If you know what that is. I am, yeah, I am very familiar. Love it. And I built a, a harp for them that is a porch door. You can go check that out. And then uh, other installations are mostly temporary, but that one, you know, they keep it. And then shows coming up. I want to collaborate with some people I've been talking. I just had a meeting last night about some visuals that I want to collaborate with, some people who do 
more stuff than I know how to, you know, visually, uh, with video and sort of meld that together with a performance. Little Shivers here on Lost and Rowound, yeah. a.k.a. Lauren Barron, joining me and Jimmy here in the studio yeah. from New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, thank you all. Gosh, that was that was one heck of a time that we had there with our guest Miss Baron in most interesting sounds and perspective. It was thrilling and engaging. Indeed. Next week we look forward to having more exciting sounds from the yesteryears. So thank you for joining us here. Again, all your submissions you can send to us at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Make sure you guys take care, safe travels, safe dreams. Stay tuned for Rob Pritchard after us. With the Brooklyn Bandstand, no doubt. No doubt, no diggity. See you next week. Talk for me. Talk, talk, to talk, to talk, talk for me. Talk, talk for me. Talk, talk for me. Talk, talk, to talk, talk, talk for me. Chilling on the mic. I don't want to really have to say like too many times, too many rhymes to have, um, like, you know, uh huh. I don't say it ever. Never.